everybody. Welcome back for our first episode of Wave of the Fist in 2022. Uh, hey, Jonathan, how are you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. How are you? How was your uh, end of year, Christmas, New Year's, all that? Oh, it was very good. Very expensive. Took some time off, did some, uh, some activities with the family. Didn't really yeah. travel much this year, but did some activities with the family and uh, just hanging out at home. Maybe uh, spent a little too much time playing video games, but you know, once in a while, it's, it's all right, as long as you don't make mm-hmm. it a habit. Right, right. <laughs> I feel like that time could be better spent on like Kihon or something. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, Kihon. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll talk about Kihon sometime soon. Yeah, Not today, maybe. though. Not, Not today. today. Not today. Not uh, today. So it's uh, 2022. This will be our first episode for 2022. Yeah. Uh, what's uh? Well, first we want to wish all of our listeners, uh, uh, uh happy holidays and a, and a happy New Year's and and happy New Year. Yep, absolutely. Everybody's doing well. Um, so kind of what's your what's your what's your plan to kick off the year or, uh, what it, what it, what have you got going on? Um, well, you know we 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 just reopened back up the dojo, you know, after our uh, our little winter break here, so. You know, first things first, first like big push is getting our competition team reestablished and, and uh, kind of looking out over the horizon towards nationals and U.S. Open and all of these things. So that's kind of my, my first big thing to do, um, which is coming up here real soon. Um, and, and with that, talking with them about like goals and uh, you know, a lot of them have already talked to me about their New Year's resolutions, and I think a lot of people have kind of a misconception of what a resolution is versus what a goal is because they're right. not like, really the the same thing. But um, we're going to have a little conversation about their goals and what they you know want to accomplish this year: big goals, small goals, how we can break their big goals up into smaller goals, and you know, chip away at what seems like impossible and make it possible for them. Yeah. So that's, that's like a, kind of the big thing here. What, what about you? Uh, well, so very similarly, but on a, on a personal level, I'm going to be talking with some of our athletes. You know, I mean, we know, you know, uh, for example, one is currently scheduled to, to compete um, next month in his first mm-hmm. Series A. I'm not sure there's some, some, some personal things going on that may or may not impact that. But, um, you know, so for, for them, it's not really so much of an off season, but it's making sure that we – orient them to that goal and make sure that the things that they're going, that they're working on are feeding that goal. And so everything ties in with that. And then, you know, I've, I, we, I've talked about goal setting and whatnot and in the past, but making sure that it's things that are, uh, I guess, realistic and then achievable, right. Things that right. they can feed along the way yeah. and, and whatnot. But on a personal level, you know, I, I, I had originally planned to be in Okinawa in August uh, for that big Okinawa tournament. And mm-hmm. with the way travel is and the way things are right now, I'm not sure if that's going to actually happen. Um, but I am planning to be back in the U.S. for nationals in July, end of June, mm-hmm. ju- first week in July. And so I may switch my focus onto that. I mean, we'll have several athletes obviously competing. You'll be there. Your team will, will be there as well mm-hmm. as, as our apex athletes. Um, and so um, I may go ahead and just jump in on that. And with that, then kind of 
gives me a focus, kind of a similarly have a goal, like I know I need to set this. And then, then there's some other, just some personal goals that I need to uh, kickstart myself and just um, hold accountability, make myself accountable mm-hmm. for, for doing. So uh, yeah. I'll be doing that, you know, I mean, even just in even that is some some more physical activity outside of karate right you know the you yeah. know, making sure that i'm i'm doing stuff and so like even today we're going to go uh, uh later this afternoon we're going to go do rock climbing as a family right so Man, that sounds go. amazing that sounds so much fun yeah we uh the the place the 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 place where we go and and get our um our massages done. They, they opened up a, a, a climbing gym in there. They did some remodeling and, and did that just opened up recently. So we're going to go check that out. Hmm. So my, my wife, nice. knows, my wife knows the owner. So nice. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. I think my, um, my, my goals coming into this year are, are, are quite like opposite of yours uh, for once. Yeah. Uh, actually it's, it's not to be more physical, but um, focus a little bit more on my brain a little bit. So my, lovely wife actually got me a couple of books for christmas oh yeah so what did she get one i well, love books. the first one real quick is uh genki volume one. Oh, um so is that, a, is that a language book it is a language book yeah it's yeah. to help help continue on with my uh, japanese studies and um you know keep keep moving forward with it which is yeah. cool. Um, and what there's another like mentalish activity that i just saw you uh uh had something really cool that you 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 did earlier today. Can you? What was that? Uh, you, you you like that? Uh, I did like that. I did like so, that a lot. <laughs> actually, it was in, inspired by um, going back to one of our earlier podcasts and talking about like cinema. Um, I've been trying to get caught back up on the show Warrior on HBO. Oh, and I yeah, finally like into season two now. Things are like getting really crazy with the show. Uh huh. Um, but one of my favorite like parts it's almost in every single episode is there's a yeah. room yeah. that has uh like kakejiku uh scrolls all the way around it and, uh-huh. it's, and it's the the word dragon just written on the scroll in different all like, over. styles it's all, all over, over. And, and i yeah. i love it so um today i was practicing my regular like shoto uh kyosho practices uh-huh. and i had like some ink left in the bottom of my dish and i was like well should i should I pour this back into the bottle or should I try to get sloppy and, you know, see what I can do? So I was like, you know what? So I scribbled out like maybe three or four different um, kanji of, of dragon. And, yeah. you know, the one I, I posted it on my Instagram and that was like the only one that was like, all right, that one's kind of cool, but the rest were not. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That one I was do, really I, cool. You like that one? Yeah. yeah well, I, I mean, you know, own. you know, I mean, dragon is like one of my favorite Chinese characters yeah. to write. I yeah. write that all the time. If I'm doodling and just sitting at my desk or I'm bored, I, I've got a, a, a fude pen. It's like a, it's uh-huh. not a, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like a calligraphy pen. It's not an actual brush, but it's got like a right. brush kind of tip and I'll sit there and my notebook. <laughs> just, just fill it up. <laughs> just fill it up. And 90% yeah. of the time, the character that I'm drawing is dragon. And so like, I knew awesome. it's, I remember when I watched warrior cause I watched it before you did. And I, and I told right. you about it. And uh, I think it was in season one where there's a big fight scene in that room. Mm-hmm. There is, yep. And uh, like you know, episode five or six or something like that. And uh, I was just like, "Oh, look at that dragon!" Oh, and my wife is like, "Just stop with 
fucking dragon. I'm like, but look yeah. at that dragon. Oh, that's a cool way of writing it. I know. And, and like, it, it's actually like visually distracting for me uh, <laughs> to like go and look at all the scrolls that are there instead of paying attention to what's happening in the scene. You know? Yeah. Because and it's, that's because like, you know. And it's always an important scene that happens in that room, too. It's not like it's just some filler. It's like very important. And then I get distracted from the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's because you know. Yeah, so, so here's my question about that, though. Did you get any feedback? Did you get any feedback uh, yet from from that from your sensei? <laughs> no, not yet. I, I don't know if I will unless I send it to her um, directly. I'm looking at it right now. It's getting a lot of likes on uh, Instagram, but um, no, uh, she probably won't say anything unless I send it to her and ask her, like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And you know, she's she's just so nice that she'll be like, "Oh, it's very bold," and you know, this part is good over here, and. You know, she won't. She probably won't, wouldn't say anything bad about it unless I, you know, I don't know, maybe begged for like a real critique, and then she could probably tear it apart. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yep, that is uh, that is a, a other part of my goal though is to keep keep moving forward with my shoto. So I actually um waiting to hear back now if I've been promoted to uh, seventh Q, not not Q. Yeah. Uh, in shoto, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, they should be doing that, I guess, probably next week. They'll probably announce if I've passed. But anyway, the other book, um, actually, you recommended this oh, one to me, oh, I believe. Mind Over Muscle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and my wife got that for me as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to starting this. I actually may crack it open after we're done with this podcast tonight. So. Okay, well, maybe that will be our uh, our first book review, huh? I need to actually, uh, I started it, and then I got sidetracked, and I never, I never yeah. finished what I was reading. I've been, because... And I, and I mentioned this briefly in one of our earlier talks, not on the podcast, mm. but I've been looking at um, uh, traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu. It's been in my mind a little bit lately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, Kano Jigoro, right, is obviously, you know, the founder of judo and whatnot. But, you know, we'll save that discussion. But it's been something I've been thinking about. Um, both the jujitsu, the technical aspects of it, as well as its transition from jujitsu to judo, and you know, similarly parallels with karate and karate history and things like that. So maybe that will be a something we could chat about. Yeah, I, I look forward to it. That'd be good. <clears throat> so now that we're kind of caught up, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to actually go back and like re uh, re look at my notes to find out. Oh, I think uh, Bunkai. I think oh, is what we're Bunkai. on today. Bunkai, okay. yeah. Bunkai, that's right. On Bunkai, yeah. So, you know, we had a we had a phone conversation or, or a FaceTime last week, I think, or the week before that we really should have just recorded. <laughs> yeah, I think that that should be one of our 2022 like resolutions too. Is like no more FaceTimes without recording. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, it it was just gold. I remember yeah. like thinking like, why are we not? Yeah, why isn't this on right now? We could just like yeah. this. Well, because even then the audio, we could just use it for whatever. Yeah. You know, we don't have to use the whole conversation. We can use parts of it for different things. Right. But so Bunkai, right? This kind of and I and I kind of. I kind of prompted this discussion. This kind of came up in my mind, you know, uh, a while back uh, for my Apex podcast, I had a discussion with uh, Hirai Kenji, who's mm-hmm. one of my one of my brother students under uh, Oshiro Toshihiro Sensei in Okinawa for our Yamane Ryu and 
are shorter than you. But in that conversation, he, or it might not even, even have been in the podcast. It might have been just in our talking afterwards. He was talking about Bunkai and how, you know, and we've had multiple conversations on Bunkai. And there's a whole, you know, practical karate and applied karate. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in and of itself in a minute. But, you know, one thing that, that you have mentioned to me or somebody else had mentioned to me is this, like, there's it almost like Bunkai never, it's like it never finishes, right? Or like there's these flowing, yeah. there's these flowing Bunkai, like where they'll take a kata and they'll do, and maybe it's for demonstration purposes and maybe I'm not sure what's going on there, but they'll flow through consecutive techniques from the whole kata basically with in a in a sequential non-stop fashion mm-hmm. and that came up in conversation at the same time that very night i went to watch an amateur boxing event i was invited mm-hmm. to go watch it i know a, i know a, a, the owner of a boxing gym uh, here and he invited me and so when i'm watching this it struck me that it was very similar. And again, you know, I'm not a boxing expert and there's a lot of great things about boxing. So I don't, this is not meant to, to bash boxing at all, but through the, the, probably the 10 matches that I watched, there's a lot of punches that get thrown. Yes. A lot of nonstop punching, but there's very little contact. And it looks like a lot of the time there's almost not even an intent to hit mm. almost like they're just, you know, if, if they hit, they're there, but there's a lot of punches that get thrown that don't even come close to hitting the opponent. And then it's always that at the end, when they start to get through the guard or they start to get through the defense or whatever, that they're actually, these punches become effective. Mm-hmm. And so kind of, I had this thought about, you know, it's like, why aren't we, and again, boxing is, is again, not to talk about about boxing because, but boxing is also a sport. Right, it, mm-hmm. it's with a clearly defined rule set. Um, but when we talk about bunkai and these kind of these sequential type approaches to bunkai, there's no finish. Like you're just going through the motions. Yeah. So. So when you teach bunkai, then I guess what what's your method? Like what's your uh, do you, do you break it down like? <clears throat> Like, let me let me think of it this way. Um, let's take like Fukigatechi. Okay, right. you take, you know, the first three movements and say, okay, this is one complete sequence. By the end of this, you know, three movements or whatever it is you pick, I don't know. Um, we should be able to say that we've completely incapacitated this individual in front of us, or. Uh, do you take it movement by movement and say, well, this is this, and then this next thing is something else? Or do you say, you know, these two mirror pieces are actually all part of the same thing? How do you differentiate where Bunkai should start and stop within a kata? So depending on skill level mm-hmm. is how I approach it, first of all. So, okay, but Generally, what I will do most of the time is, okay, so this, I mean, it kind of gets into, can do a a kata itself. So depending on your students, some people have difficulty with the abstract aspects of kata. Mm, Sure. Like, 
like different types of learners, right? There's visual learners, there's hands-on learners and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so when we go through the motions of the kata doing the block and the step forward and punch or whatever the, the whatever the sequence is, sometimes I, I've noticed that some students don't have a hard time doing that because they don't know why am I doing this, for example. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what I will do is before we even get to kata, if I'm going to introduce a new kata, for example, um, pinan nidan, right? Is it nidan or shodan? Nidan, right? Where you've got the, the circular hammer fist down to the other hammer fist, right? So right hand, left mm -hmm. hand, hammer fist, hammer fist. Well, I will work that. I will take the, those. And then even though we step forward and punch and then we go and we do get on barai, and we do the, the right-hand side, and we step forward and punch for the, for the left and the right, I will take that move out, and I will teach that move independently, and then I will show them what that move, you know, one possible application of that move, or even a couple, and then we will drill that even before I introduce that move in the kata, before mm -hmm. I start teaching the kata. So I kind of do a different... I don't necessarily always teach a sequence, I am more of uh, this move means this in most circumstances. It could mean other things depending on how you end up and your positioning and the other what the other person's response is. But mm -hmm. at first, we have to start somewhere, right? And so right. Um, I, I don't like to do, well, these three moves necessarily all mean this because sometimes I don't think that necessarily all the moves move in sequence together in the way that we always think that they do. Okay. Right? And I'll give you an example. Um, in Chatanyera and Pinan Shodan, both you're facing the front and then you turn around and you kick to the back. Uh, you do Maigeri to the back and then you turn back to the front in Nekwashtachi mm -hmm. and you do Shudoke, right? Well, yeah, you got to scare his buddy off that's right behind you. Yeah, you got to scare the buddy that's right off behind you. Yeah. So... And the ending position is that nikwashtachi shtoke. So everybody mm -hmm. thinks like, oh, I just kick this guy and then I turn around and I block this technique. Right. But the way that's been explained to me is, is no, that's actually not the, the shtoke, the, 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 the knife hand block is not the actual technique. The technique is the, the turning around, the pivot is a tayate, is a body slam yeah. after the kick into the opponent mm -hmm. that you've just kicked. Right. So, you know, when we look at what it appears like, so... If we look at, well, the kata just looks like this, so I, I should do that. Um, so I kind of do it as, as, a, as a, it's not I always teach this way or I always teach that way. I will look at what that move is and then break it down at first to where we can just drill it. Just this move, like mm -hmm. just kakete into another, like a, a, a palm strike, right? If we're going to do kakete, we're going to do the parry and the grab. We're going to pull with our heel pulling hand and then push. But then as we progress, it becomes more free-flowing. Mm. But I don't think that kata are designed to go from your very first move to the very end move of the kata in one long sequence. Because... So, real quick. Um, I believe what you're referencing is what most people affectionately know as Taira Bunkai. Right. Right. The, um, 
the continuous flow. Like, um, as a matter of fact, I believe that in one of our like group trainings that we did with Apex in Maryland, one of the other uh, gentlemen that was there was showing us like how the flow of Tyra Bunkai is supposed to right like work right right. That was um, my first introduction it, to that in in right. uh, I guess formalized way. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly what it is, is it's literally every single movement from the kata, every single turn from the kata should be utilized as the embosin is displayed. And if you're deviating from the kata, then you're not doing the kata anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's where I, I just don't think it's, it's like that. I mean, re- yeah. first of all, real life. So, and here's the other thing too, is we've, and we've talked about this. You see, you see where. And organizations, I understand organizations have to have a simple way of demonstrating knowledge. Yeah, demonstrating knowledge or a a simplified way of this is what this move means. But Mm -hmm. what oftentimes it, I mean, bunkai there is, bunkai is, is, if I'm in a a confrontation, I want to, I need to finish it. Like it needs to end immediately. See, Mm -hmm. and we're influenced by this um, way of, you know, we have MMA, we have boxing, we have jujitsu, we have, we have movies, we have all these influences that we see. And when we get in, uh, I mean, you've been in a fist fight when you were younger, I'm sure like in mm-hmm. school or whatever. And, and sometimes it can go on for minutes, right? Well, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that you want to end that as soon as possible. You right. want there to be as little, when we're talking about actual physical confrontation, they are usually very short in the time of, well, what we, we want them to be short because the longer things go on, the more likelihood that we're going to get hurt if we lose Correct. control of what's going on to us, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want it to be one or two moves. We want to do apply maximum damage mm-hmm. in uh, as short a time as possible. And I think when we get into some of these Taita Bunkai type things or these flowing Bunkai, we lose that focus. Or that yeah. So one of the things that I think has um, is, is valuable about the, the Taita Bunkai is the level of pressure that it puts on you. Because the thing about like how, how it's actually practiced and performed is, is like once you go, you go. And that person is coming at you with, you know, that barrage of techniques and you're supposed to be able to work through that like added level of pressure of, no, we're not going to do this like stop motion uh, type choreography. Like I'm coming at you and you have to do the kata and you have to make it work and you have to go through it. Um, So I do think that there is benefit to it, but I do think that as far as like a, a teaching model, it ultimately fails in what it needs to accomplish for the, the learner. Right. I, I can see that. I mean, I, I see, I, I, I can completely understand the drill aspect of what you're saying. Right. Um, I mean, and that ties in with, are we pressure testing, right? Are you, are you, and that's one thing that, that we've talked about before is like here right now, I have no one to, spar with or to grapple with or to to work Just experiment drills, with yeah. right experiment like hey you know and i and I, I i grab my daughter and i'll you know here punch here like and do this and you know she's 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 all right being a you know 
<laughs> thrown around once in a while, but you know, she's also not necessarily putting up the resistance that I would want to like, okay, right. no, that doesn't work or whatever. Um, yeah, it's not and like, then, uh, and then because o'clock in the morning in my living room and moving furniture around and <laughs> we never did that. Never did that. It was 1230. It was 1230. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure at 1230 we were, we were blasting the who and, and, uh, drinking some hibiki and then, <laughs> then getting into some bunkai. Well, we had um, good taste, right? I mean, that, that's true. That is, can't be argued. So uh, I'm going to bring up something else. Um, and it's something that I've actually adopted into my teaching of Bunkai for Kata because my uh, organization, it doesn't have like a subscription of you have to do this to show me this on this test or anything like that. Um, oftentimes when I ask about Bunkai, they will show me something. And then if I say something, they'll be like, yeah, that's also the Bunkai or yeah, that's also correct. If you can make it work, if it's effective for you, then yeah, it's that is the Bunkai for you. Maybe I don't like it, but that's what it is for you. Um, so I'm going to bring up another uh, like famous karate person. Um, and usually when I'm speaking of this person, it's not always in the, the highest of regards, but I have adopted something from his earlier works as a blogger before he got a, a YouTube famous, but that is Mr. Jesse Enkamp. Um, he actually wrote an article about Bunkai that I... I think it's one of the best articles out there. Um, and it's all about finishing it, exactly what you're talking about. Um, and he, I don't know if he still teaches it this way, but he breaks it down into uh, four different categories, A, B, C, and D. If you're not meeting the criteria of any one of those things, the bunkai is not finished, right? Okay. So we're talking about um, A is is air. Are you, are you taking away their ability to breathe? B is a break. Are you, you know, breaking their their uh, their arm or leg or neck or nose or whatever it is, taking away their ability to, well, taking away their desire to want to continue fighting? Um, C is consciousness. Are are they still conscious after whatever it is you're doing? And D, um, my students like to say death, but it's dislocation, uh, yeah. taking away the ability to use the <laughs> limb. <laughs> so. Uh, that's something that I've adopted into my model of teaching. And if we're not getting to one of those uh, criteria, then we have to keep working through it or stepping back and saying, well, what we're doing is not effective. So what do we need to change to make it effective? See, I, I really like that. And I'm not sure. I know you sent me an article. I'm not sure if it was that one, mm -hmm. but uh, that was a long time ago. Even I have to go back and try and find that again. That was but a I, long time ago. Yeah. I, I really like that because what that does is it defines your focus or your intention yeah. as to mm -hmm. why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing it. And so, because the other thing too is this, as soon as you started to list that, uh, and, and I'll, and I'll, you know, give you a slightly different example from, from a, a different aspect. So getting shot is not what kills people, right? A lot of people get shot and don't die. Mm -hmm. It's letting air into places that air shouldn't go and letting blood mm -hmm. out of places that blood isn't supposed to come out of. That's what causes the death. 
right? Pe people can get shot in the leg, in the arm, or even, get, you know, numerous people have got shot in the head or other parts of the body and they, and they didn't die, right? But mm -hmm. we want to, if we're talking about a lethal force encounter or a lethal force confrontation, that's what inc incapacitates somebody. We want to let the air into places that air is not mm -hmm. supposed to go or out of places that it's not supposed to come out of and let the blood out of where it's not supposed to do. And we want to keep going until that happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when you think of it in that way, and that's what's difficult for even people who trend, you know, work in different, uh, you know, law enforcement or, or whatnot is, uh, you know, we, we, we get taught how to shoot and we get taught how to shoot at, paper targets that don't move mm -hmm. back and don't do anything. And then it becomes a marksmanship exercise. Mm. And there's a difference between a marksmanship exercise and learning to have good enough accuracy to get the job done. In fact, being too accurate, like trying to get like the, the pinhole shot mm -hmm. after shot in the same, you know, little, little area is you're just damaging the area that's already damaged already. We want to increase that. So you want to actually want to open up that group just a little bit. And so what I would you, uh, appreciate real quick, would you um, equate people who train Kata like over and over and over again with less emphasis on Bunkai to shooting at paper targets? Uh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, I mean, just because, I mean, paper targets could be, you know, I, my, my favorite paper target, my favorite target overall is the Viking tactics target that has um, the, the, the musculature and the skeleton system on sure. there, along with specific boxes for the, 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 the eyes and the head. A specific box for the for the chest and you see what organs and what what muscular there and then for for the hips and whatnot you actually there's a separate box there and so i was, when, I was more speaking of the uh, the average i know uh, i know what you're i know what you're, <laughs> i'm not going to give you the answer that you want <laughs> just because you want me to say something doesn't mean i'm going to say it <laughs> fair fair point. <laughs> No, but back to like, so when you're, because it's the intention, right? So right. if, is our intention to go through the kata and do this pretty sequence back and forth without understanding, well, that's never going to finish the opponent. That's never going to stop a confrontation. Right. Right. right? So if our intention is just to do a demonstration and to make everybody like, wow, karate so great, you know, on a stage at a, at a county fair or at, uh, you know, some kind of, 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 of demonstration for the public, then that's fine, right? Mm -hmm. then, but if our intention of teaching bunkai and of doing these drills is to take the techniques and apply them in the way that they were meant to be used, regardless of, of, of how that is supposed to be, but then we need to think about those things that you talked about mm -hmm. and apply it with that in mind. When I do this technique, I want to do boom. And of course there's, you know, age, like I'm not going to talk about, well, let me phrase that. I probably have, so I shouldn't say that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but depending on our, on the audience, right. You may have to temper it until they're a little bit older or, or things like that. But the key, I think with this one is to have that 
this is why we are doing that clearly defined. And if you have that clearly defined, like those four points that you listed, mm -hmm. then as long as you're keeping that in mind, that will refine how you teach and how you train the bunka. And I think that um, as a teaching model too, when I've given this to my students and I say, hey, look, I'm speaking strictly to, uh, to my adult students right now. Um, my my children's bunkai is definitely different from my adult's bunkai just for everything that you just listed. But when I give this to them and I say, hey, look, we're about to start doing bunkai for the Gata Saifa and we have to fit this model, um, they can start tapping into their own creativity as well and mm -hmm. you know, utilizing what they know as movement and trying to figure it out too without having to just stand over there and be like, hey, this is how you have to do it. Now they can start kind of like, you know, playing with their bunkai a little bit and being like, okay, you know, in my mind, I thought that was going to work, but man, that really doesn't, man, it, you know how hard it is to like break somebody's arm or, you know, dislocate a bone or something like that, especially a, a you know, big, strong guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They, they have to start thinking beyond just the embusin. Well, actually that's a very good point because I like to, I, I, I will, I teach wrist locks and, and things like that. Well, and, mm -hmm. you know, and I will pull them out of, I won't necessarily say that, Hey, this is this move for this kata. I'll be like, Hey, today we're going to work on this move. Somebody grabs you here. Like, you know, back to, I, I think we've, we've discussed, uh, was it small circle jujitsu? For example, that was my mm -hmm. first real introduction onto joint locks and how the body works. And then the more I look, I see it in, in other places, but I will, okay, today we're going to work on this grab or whatever. And you'll have a, uh, you know, you'll have size disparity and I will always caution like, Hey, today we are practicing how to do this technique. But if I've got some dude with arms, like, you know, uh, like gorilla arms or whatever that mm -hmm. grabs my arm and I try to do this wrist lock, the if the first thing I'm trying to do is to try and do this wrist lock when they've got like this vice grip on my arm already, it's never going to work. I'm going to sit there and they're just going right. to like, I'm trying to wrench on their hand while they're just pounding me in the face with their other fist. Right. So I always caution when we do this, Hey, this, we are learning technique. It mm -hmm. may not be applicable in every situation. And after a certain point, if you miss the application and it's not working, you right. have to be able to move on to something else. Right. Because, you know, there's got to be, you know, it's got to be instantaneous. It's got to be a split second reaction. You Sometimes you have to do another action to cause them to flinch or to jerk or to startle well, or to lose attention. And you have exactly to explain that. So all when, of that. When, I, when I'm teaching all my joint locks, um, anything, my phrase that it's, it's like a thing that's, it should be a slogan painted on our wall at the dojo because I say it so often is locks don't work without shocks. Right? Oh, you that's have a good to, one. You have to create a shock in order to be able to, you know, use that. But, you know, my, my, the thing that I always say to them, too, is if, if they've grabbed you, first of all, it's too late, right? You've already kind of right. like lost your ground. So Correct. don't get grabbed. But if you do get grabbed, now we have to like figure something else out. You know, we have to do like a quick groin strike or a poke to the eye or, you know, whatever to make that flinch to now be able to, you know, take that attention away from that strength. And now you can, I'm sitting here like wrestling with my microphone while I'm <laughs> describing this, but you're, you're, you know, you can do that wrist lock, you know, and, yep. and you can, you know, 
create that arm bar position or that S lock or whatever it is that you're trying to to create. But you know, I have a guy in my my dojo. He's one of my shodans. Um, he used to be my workout partner for a really long time, and I'm a pretty strong guy, but he is a monster. My absolute max deadlift is his lightest warm up. You know, oh. he is. Yeah, he's he's absolutely a monster. And not only that, but he's also as flexible as I am and very fast. So he's just oh, wow. like, he's, he's a scary dude. Um, so I always have to kind of like find cheats to like make it work against somebody like that. But yeah. when I when I break away from it and I'm like, well, I had to do that against that person to make it work. Well, that should be for everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. also like my biggest qualm yeah. against people talking about women's self-defense yeah. and you know like dumbing down their technique or whatever to make it say oh well it's easy for a woman no no no, that should be easy for everybody like if, right. if we're if we're boiling it down to this then that's where i'm going to start from for everything right oh no i agree 100 percent. i mean yeah. i you know we we get into i mean i mean maybe self-defense should be women's self-defense or self-defense in general should be you know, I mean, it's a, it's related to bunkai and, and, and whatnot, but maybe that should be a whole nother topic before we get yeah, into that. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, you know, one of the, one of the things, so I, I, I guess the long way of my feeling about bunkai is a, first of all, you got to start somewhere as beginners, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have, True. you have to have a set of techniques or an explanation way of explaining it to so that the beginning student has a, a rudimentary, I guess, or introductory explanation of this is how it works hmm. with the understanding that that in and of itself is not necessarily the always the complete picture or the complete way of doing it. Okay. And then you have to have the follow on, right? We've talked about this organizationally. If, if your bunkai ends in a, in a, like a competition style gyakuzuki reverse punch, you have failed, right? Like, because you're not meeting any of the criteria that you just described. Right. right. Like, if you're doing this and you're blocking the arm and you're doing this and then, and you step back and you're in, you know, Gakuski in your, your picture pose, you have failed at Bunkai. Mm -hmm. I agree. So we have to keep that. And, and I'm going to go and I'm going to look up this this article or find the link if it's the same article that you sent me a long time ago and find it and, and, and read that again, because I really like how that's clearly defined as your goal, because I, you know, right. it's, it's fundamentally, I, I agree with all of those things as to how it is, because we want to make that, but we also want to make it, it's, it's a time factor. We want it to be as little as possible because the more these things go on, the likelihood of me getting injured increases dramatically. Correct. I agree. There, uh... I believe it's the same article. It might be a, a separate article, but he also talks about kind of what you touched on a little bit about like, you know, kind of that white belt level or, you know, moving up from it. Um, you know, let's just take a average rising block, right? So he says, you know, if it looks like a duck quacks like a duck, you know, you go ahead and think duck, right? So if it looks like, you know, we're doing this rising block, somebody's punching at us and okay, we blocked up above our head and now we can move on to do the next thing. Like that's totally fine for, you know, that entry level, like mm -hmm. Bunkai, now we're kind of breaking that, um, that abstract of contact 
from human to human, which is so weird with, with human beings. Like when they come into a karate class, like you're at karate and you don't think you're going to get like touched by another human being all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Um, but then, you know, it takes it a step further of, well, it looks like a rising block, but maybe it's actually a, like a rising punch. Yeah. Right. So now, now we're not necessarily rising blocking, but we're, you know, actively attacking through the other opponent's technique. And then it even goes on a bit further from that and says, okay, we're not really, maybe it's not a punch, but now maybe we're doing a choke, right? Or a grappling type maneuver uh, or something like that, like a, you know, a collar choke or whatever for rising block. So I, I, he breaks it down a little bit by level there too. So that with, with, you know, in fear of going off on a completely different topic, but um, that brings up, it's necessary that's absolutely necessary to break it down and to to, to do that and that's mm -hmm. where we often see the differentiation between you know people's level of understanding you know there's the whole story of you know you've heard multiple examples you know sensei will teach you what you're ready to understand right at the time that just be but that may not necessarily be the complete answer he may have only told you or she may have only told you what you were ready to understand at that time at that point in time. At that yeah. point in time. Because it ties in also with that we're so often we get stuck at that if it looks like a duck, right? That very first stage. Mm -hmm. Because it also gets stuck in with, and, and I do this all the time, the names that we use for our techniques, what we call them, unfortunately, uh -huh. defines what they become in time, like you use mm -hmm. rising block, but I'm going to use uh, the downward block to get on Barai or get on Uchi, mm -hmm. right? So first of all, in our system, we've gone away from calling most of the blocks. We use strike, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. get on Uchi, downward strike or, or low strike. The other part is, is because for a long time, because the label that we use defines what it becomes, mm -hmm. not necessarily what that actual movement is and this was really highlighted for me one of the best examples that i remember was a uh kurobi channel kurobi world uh naka tatsuya sensei's video and he was doing one of you know one of his videos where he takes his left arm and he reaches across and grabs his opponent's dogi mm -hmm. on their left the left collar right below their and he just pulls it down and he pulls them forward off balance and almost throws them one arm throw, just pulled them forward and down. Yeah. And he's like, well, I just threw that person, knocked them to the ground or pulled them to the ground. And that's a get on, but I, right. right. A, a downward block. And so I explained this to, and I, I use that example frequently, even with my students when I'm teaching, not, not my athletes per se, but my, my traditional, my, my regular students that, mm -hmm. Even though we're saying this, don't let this terminology become the definitive action. Think about right. the movement that you're doing and how we can apply the movement itself, not the label that we've named it in our mind. Because we right. have to we have to verbally transmit. Yeah, I like that. And not everybody has the um, the capacity for abstract thought to get away from the box that you put the technique in as well. Right. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. 
Okay, well, we're we're coming up at about 45 minutes almost yeah. here on this. So before we wrap up, yeah. uh, let's let's do a fun little exercise then. Okay. Think back to any kata that you know. Okay. And pick a movement or sequence of movements or whatever for a bunkai that you just don't get. Oh, that I don't get. Yeah, you just don't get. Who cares which one you like? Oh. I want to know ones that you're just like... <laughs> This is this is totally weird to me. Like, what is this? I don't even oh. know. Like, what what is this? Make you think a little bit. Uh, we can edit out the very long pause that's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we may have to, because I don't know, bro. <laughs> Maybe I should have emailed you or you yeah. know, text you this Excuse question me. in advance. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I got to go through a whole bunch of different kata to think of something yeah. that I've been like, what on earth? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one that I'm, I'm still not clear on. And I, I'll go with it's, Okay, in Chinto, right? Kyan no Chinto. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first move where you're in Hei Sokudachi, right? And then you go into Nekwashtachi and your hands come out and down mm-hmm. and around in circles. Both hands move together. Mm-hmm. So then they meet, they cross at the, at the wrists. And then you twist your hands and then punch, punch. So I get the when the wrists meet and then your hands cross and you're like grabbing a, a wrist and you're doing something, but why the hands come around like that to meet at the first is still unclear to me. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Okay. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll have to think about it more. I actually, and I, and I haven't really, it hasn't bothered me enough to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Okay. Now, the reason why I ask is just because um, recently I've been teaching Shisochin to mm, one of my Shisochin. Yep, one of my more advanced students is working on uh, Shisochin now, and <clears throat> there is a section in the kata that she just was really struggling with learning just how to do the movements all on its own anyway, mm. and. Part of the reason is, is because she absolutely loves training Bunkai. And she was just like, I have no idea what I'm even supposed to be doing here. Like, so just like what you said earlier in the uh, discussion, like if you, without that understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, it's hard to grasp why you should be doing what you're doing or, you know, to even put it into the memory bank, right. you know, to just for the sake of learning uh, the Embusen. So when I finally was like, okay, well, we're doing this and we're breaking this down and now we're coming across and we have this, you know, this arm bar, you can see what, what part of the kata I'm doing right there. Uh, You know, the light bulb like went off immediately. And that was like the last time I've had to explain it to it, to her, like, you know, at all. But I don't think I ever had that like disconnect for myself when I was learning kata. Yeah. Um, I don't, I haven't. Yeah. And I've also, you know, growing up through when I started in Tong Sudo, um, there was never really large discussions on the applications of what our forms were supposed to be anyway. We did them 
and then we'd have nights where we just did like joint locks and throws and you know these other various grappling things but never really had the discussion of how they tied into what it was that we were doing but i would kind of like piece it together for myself and then even when i started doing you know japanese karate and you know now okinawan karate like there still was never really a heavy emphasis on bunkai um but for whatever reason like i could always just kind of like make it make sense in my own mind even mm -hmm. that night that we were kind of joking about here we were talking about seipai and how yeah. to uh i forget what the actual technique was but you're like yeah i don't know you're like oh somebody said this but i don't see how to get to that point and i was like oh i can right. get you there just from you know knowing the kata right and then we got there and you're like oh okay yeah i guess i can see that arm bar being in place now or whatever blah 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 i don't remember the exact uh thing yeah, i but, can't remember but yeah something like yeah. that yeah but anyways my point is, is is you know for someone like you or someone like myself that can quickly make that um distinction or quickly find in our uh, arsenal of techniques a bunkai to make it fit kata right um does that make learning kata easier learning new kata easier or does that make it distracting in learning new kata oh that's a great question because you know, i mean for me again uh, i don't i even from the very beginning you know back when i started in, in taekwondo and whatnot mm -hmm. learning kata was never difficult for me Right. Learning, you know, a, a new kata wasn't necessarily the difficult part for me. Um, hmm. And even now, you know, I, you know, I can sit and, you know, because after a certain point, we're not very, okay, so like chinto, kyando chinto is probably the hardest that it's been for me because it doesn't quite fit the mold of every other kata. Uh, some of the moves in there, and and even then, once I've broken it down, the difficulty at this point now is becoming doing it better, doing it yeah. using different parts uh, mm -hmm. of you know using different muscles or or trying to do it more efficiently. Um, so, but with that, are you applying what should be bunkai movement to your kata, or are you just trying to make yourself move more fluidly, more faster, for the sake of doing the kata better as a performance? And I think that's where the guys, and I'm just going to kind of use this as an umbrella term, the guys who discuss practical karate or um, what's the other one that they applied karate or whatever, yeah. you know, that's what they're trying to emulate in their kata movement, right? We look at some of their kata and we're like, man, but what? You're having a hard time doing your kata, man. What are you doing? Yeah. Right? But I think that that's the, the end goal is to make their kata fit like the more natural, like bunkai movement versus maybe the sport version or even the most traditional version, but just to make the bunkai fit the kata rather than, or make the kata fit the bunkai rather than the bunkai fit the kata. Without having put a whole lot of thought into that, I would say that I'm probably somewhere more, not so much trying to make it look good in a way mm -hmm. um oh that's it 
So what I've noticed with myself lately is that, and again, because this is, this is kind of hard, the, the mold to break out of, right? Mm -hmm. Because like even, even, even my kata now, for example, you know, I, for a long time, you know, my, 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 my base was shtoryu. So again, and I, and I competed, right? U.S. national team member competed internationally for kata, all of that thing, right? So the question that I often ask myself now is when I'm doing my kata and I look at my kata, I'll record a video and I'll look at it. Am I, am I moving the way I'm moving? Because that's the way Oshiro Sensei is teaching me to move. Or mm -hmm. am I still like in, 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 am I in between, am I in, in between, right? Yeah. In, does that make sense? And so, well, hundred uh, percent, because, you know, I don't come from a Goju-Ryu background, but now I'm doing Goju-Ryu and am I doing Goju-Ryu the way I'm supposed to be doing it? Or am I still in between? Yeah. I, exactly. You're preaching to the choir here, man. Exactly. So on my personal training lately, what I would say, for example, I'll, I'll use Rohai for an example, right? Because mm -hmm. we've talked about Rohai. You go, you walk forward, the, the three steps or the two steps, whatever it is, then you go to the right. You know, you do the sagyashitachi, shikodachi, punch, punch. And then the way we do it is we, we come back and we do the, the shikodachi with the punch down to the, the, the mm -hmm. low punch. So when I do that move, for example, all I'm thinking about is, can I move my body? Am I, am I using my gammaku, for example? Am I pulling it, my foot back? Am I keeping my embusen in, or my, my, my seichusen, my center line in the same spot? Am I, do I end up? And so... I'm not so much focused on the outward appearance of how it looks. Mm -hmm. Like if I was going to judge it for, if I was going to teach somebody for a kata competition, my emphasis then is on my mechanics of how I'm physically moving. But I'm also not necessarily thinking when I'm doing the kata in and of itself, I'm not thinking of trying to force my bunkai into what my kata should look like. Right. Because I also think, so, I mean, this kind of goes into a Kihon question, and so maybe we should kind of save this for another episode. Um, because part of our whole way of doing moving basics and Kihon and all that isn't realistic to begin with. Right. And so I, I draw... The, the analogy that I use is, is that we do these things to teach us how to control and how to move our body for, for some of the things. Like, and, and we can talk about that maybe in our, in our Kihon discussion. So it's not so much about how does my kata look like my bunkai or does my bunkai look like my kata. You know, if, if I can go through this exercise and control, figure out how I'm supposed to move my body better. The end goal in my mind is when I'm applying a, a bunkai technique, I'm able to, uh, you, I've learned how to control my body so that I can do it better. Hmm. When, I, when I talk about kihon and, and bunkai together, I talk about confrontation is going to be ugly. Mm -hmm. It is never going to look like it's never going to look like we train it in the in the dojo. It's never going to look like it looks like in a movie or a TV show or or right. a, anything like that. I know, right? 
what have I so, been doing all these years? <laughs> so when we train bunkai and we train these, we want them to look, we want them to be as perfect as possible to get them mm -hmm. as close as we can to perfection in training. Because when we go to apply them in real life, it's not ever going to look exactly like the, the way it is. Right. If we're if we're sloppy and lazy in the way we're training it, it's going to be even worse if we ever have to use it. So here's a here's another question then. When you're training your kata and you're looking at how I can, you know, move my gamaku better or, you know, just be the most efficient in its, you know, maneuvering as possible, how often are you doing your kata at speed or are you spending the majority of your kata training like in slow motion? Um, I'd say a lot of it. Well, okay. So two-part answer. If I'm working on a specific thing, like mm -hmm. I want to work on this move, at first it will be slow because I want to figure out. But then once I start being more comfortable, um, like I'll give you an example. A couple weeks ago, I, I you know actually it started in, I was... Um, I hurt my elbow, my right elbow in July. Mm -hmm. I think we went on a trip and I was, it was actually during the Olympics. Um, yeah. A couple days before karate started, I was, we were in the hotel room and we'd gotten back and I was watching swimming or track and field or whatever. And I had it on the TV and then I was using the space in between the beds to practice kata back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, I would do like sections that had, two or three moves forward and whatnot. And I think I was doing Tumari Basai and I moved so fast and I didn't, I didn't control my arm well enough that I almost hyperextended my elbow a little bit when I was mm -hmm. blocking. And then I was doing some grappling with my daughter and she tried to put an arm bar and snapped my arm a little bit more and, heard it again but ever since then i've actually had to slow down um when i because like just last week or two weeks ago i did it all high again and mm -hmm. i went and i and i did that that first sagiashi move to the right and then boom and punch punch and i was like uh oh um here i'm out for another week because i just punched <laughs> too fast yeah and i and i had too much rotation in there in the snap and it hadn't quite healed again and so mm. um i've actually had to caution myself because of that to slow down yeah. slow some down. moves yeah um, but with that because i'm by myself that it's easy to not go as fast as i could be because i don't have a like you know i'm not sparring i don't have a kumite partner kumite your life must suck <laughs> well we won't we won't talk about that right now <laughs> without kumite. Hmm. embarrassing you know yeah well that's good um i guess the reason why i was asking is is you know oftentimes even with my adult class and even my teens I find myself making them slow things down a lot more anyway. Oh. Uh, you know, and making them do closer 
uh, like self-examinations of what are they doing? Look down. Are you actually in a good Sanchadachi? Are your knees collapsing yeah. in? Or are they rotated out? Are you just like stepping through or, you know, are you stepping, you know, with intent? Are you, you know, utilizing like a, a blocking movement before you do your Joranuke? Like, how are you, you know, getting from point A to point B? Um, and then taking it and saying, okay, so now that we've gone through it really slow, you've done this like head to toe self-examination, you've checked in, you've got everything like moving the way it should be moving. Let's start picking up the speed. Let's applying the intent behind the technique rather than just posing the techniques. And then from there, we have, we start like digging deeper into our conversations of Bunkai and, you know, illustrating why we have to move the way that we're moving, you know, stepping off this line or moving directly into this uh, technique or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, that particular sequence, you know, calls for. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's really important to make sure that you're slowing down. If you want to be more efficient in your kata anyway, you should slow things way down and really analyze what it is that you're doing rather than I can just move faster and try to move faster. Wow. That just sounds like I might just cut this part out and throw this in a apex podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like somebody's trying to teach kata or something here. Like try to be a kata coach, put me I out of know. a job. I gotta, 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 Holy gotta crap. diversify. Gotta diversify. That's one of my uh, goals for 2022. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Somebody's been listening to the Thursday thoughts or something. <laughs> Hey now, exactly. Exactly. hey now, no, actually, but with that, so, you know, and I've talked about this in, in other venues before, but like right now I'm, I'm, when I'm teaching, it's either one extreme or the other. Go I as have, fast as you can or go as slow as you can. No, 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 no. I mean, I have <laughs> people who are competing, trying to get mm -hmm. on the national team who are all black belts already of, you know, varying, varying ranks, but all you know, people trying to get on the national team or compete internationally or whatever. And so I can be very precise and very detailed and, 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 and you know, we, 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 we we're, we're covering very specific things. But then on the other end, I have predominantly beginners. Right. And so the difficulty that I am having with the beginners is because they are still unsure of what they are doing to begin with, that very rarely do we do they do techniques with that intent so i'm mm. i'm constantly like having to get them to try and move faster yeah like punch faster like i i don't care what your technique looks like at the moment right. i want you to think that i have to punch faster i have to hit this technique to stop the person from hurting me or i have to do whatever so you have to Block faster. You have to move faster. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the conversation that I have more often with my beginning students. With my advanced students, it's exactly what you said. Or my my athletes. Hey, cool that you're trying to go super fast. You know, like you know, put that on your Instagram or whatever. But your technique behind it sucked right sucked. now. Yeah. Like, yeah. remember the five different times that I've told you to do this move a certain way. Um, in fact, I'm not going to say who it was, but I had a student tell me in training, like, 
oh, I was having difficulty doing this the way you wanted me to, so I just moved faster. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're doing it fast to try and hide the difficulty that you're having. And part of it, there's a, there's a, you know, a, 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 a physical part. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a hip, there's a mobility issue that's underlying part of it. But <laughs> I was, I was momentarily stunned when this person said this and well, that's not what we're going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> nope but let's let's start over because <laughs> yeah you gotta slow things way down yeah that's tough so, all right well that's a little over an hour on, yeah definitely uh, kind of, long kind of, form tonight we're definitely into form. the long form narrative tonight yeah, yeah we, we we bounced around quite a bit too covering yeah. you know uh tyra bunkai and you know a little bit of jesse Enkamp's philosophy on bunkai personal teachings and things like that so yeah well why don't you tonight, uh Take us out. Take us out. Well, um, again, from both of us at Way of the Fist, we'd like to wish everybody, you know, a happy and healthy new year. We're hoping that, you know, things this year kind of ease up as far as pandemic issues are concerned. And we can, you know, really, really, really start getting back into learning Bunkai, as I know that that's been a big challenge for a lot of everybody the past couple of years with you know, social distance requirements and things of that nature. So we're, we're hoping that 2022 is a happy and healthier year for everybody. Um, much success to everybody else. And we will see everybody soon. See you on the next one. Talk to you later.